Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week I began a new series called Blind Spots. And we're looking at some of the areas of our lives that are just hard to see. And we looked at Mark chapter 10 where Jesus encounters blind Bartimaeus. I told you that it's imperative that we don't become so comfortable in our misery that we cannot see that there is a Savior that can bring us up out of that despair. Bartimaeus was stuck on the side of the road listening to the traffic go by. Life was passing him by and he had resorted to begging on the side of the road. It's so easy to get focused on what you don't have that you lose sight of what you do have. Bartimaeus couldn't see, but he could hear, and that's all that Jesus needed. He didn't have to see it. He only needed to hear Jesus. And I told you, you don't have to see it to believe it, but you do have to believe it to see it. When I was in high school, I took driver's ed, and I didn't take it until my junior year of of high school. Um, I started school when I was four years old. I graduated when I was 17. And so in my driver's ed class, I was one of the only juniors in the class. And I was in there with a lot of sophomores in the class. And, and I just, I don't know how to say this without just coming right out and saying it, but, but sophomores can't drive. They're just, they're just awful. And, and for those particular underclassmen in the room right now, I'm sorry, but sophomores in general are just bad drivers. They are. And I witnessed it firsthand. Uh, the school had one of those cars that was set up for the, the student to drive, but then it also was set up for the, the instructor to drive too. You know, two steering wheels, two brake pedals. And being in a class full of sophomores, our instructor had to use that brake pedal quite a bit because what we did, we would be in a car of, of three students and the instructor, and we would just kind of rotate around. And, and so we would have to ride in the back seat while others, while sophomores were driving. And it was scary. I mean, just telling you, at, at times it was scary, and he had to use that extra brake quite often. And one of the things that the instructor always told us, and it has stuck with me through the years, he always stressed to us to check your blind spots. Always check your blind spots. You know, look in your rear view mirror. See what you can't see looking out out of the windshield. Look in your rear view mirror and see what's behind you. Check your side mirrors. Check your side mirrors. But, But he always told us you still can't see everything. And so there's going to be moments, there's going to be times maybe when switching lanes or, or, or backing up, certain instances where you are actually going to have to turn your body and, and look out the window at the blind spot. Depending on which direction you are going, there are blind spots on both sides. And when you were taking your driving test, points were assessed if you failed to remember to check your blind spots. And I wonder sometimes in this, this thing called life, if there's points being assessed when we don't check our blind spots. I definitely know there's consequences with it, that when we're not checking our blind spots, there's things that catch us off guard sometimes. When driving, checking your blind spots is not always a priority. You know why? Because doing so forces you to turn from what is comfortable when I'm sitting in, in my Jeep, I, I like to, to, to look straight out the front window. It's just comfortable that way. You know, I've got my seatbelt on and, and I'm looking out the front. And, and what I'm noticing is that the older I get and the more weight that I have, 
it's not as easy to make that turn. Some of you young drivers in the room, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But it's just not easy anymore to, to make, actually, actually make that turn to look at the blind spots. Because not only do I have a, a spare tire in the back of my Jeep, but I've got one right here too that I'm having to kind of turn with it, you know, to, to check those blind spots. So, so checking your blind spot forces you to turn from what is comfortable. Checking your blind spot, or, or not wanting to check your blind spot rather, happens because we often want to trust our own instincts too much. We know what's back there. Why should I have to turn around? I just got in my car. There's nothing back there. And you trust your own instincts too much. It causes you to take your eyes off of the immediate road ahead. If you're going to check your blind spot, it causes you to, to turn away. And that just feels a little risky at times. You see what's in front of you. And if you look away from that, it, it just it seems like something could happen. And what I've noticed is that when it comes to the blind spots of life, we fail to check them for the same exact reasons. For the same reasons. Because doing so forces us to turn from what is comfortable Checking our blind spots, often we don't want to because we trust our own instincts too much. When you check your blind spots, it causes you to take your eyes off of what's presented right in front of you. And so today I want to read another encounter of Jesus with a blind man. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And then I'm going to talk for a little while, and then we're going to come back and read some more in this chapter towards the end. But, but I just want you to stay with me. Now, we've already got all of our prayer time and all that good stuff out of the way, right? So I've got... All right, I'll still get you out of here on time. Don't worry. I saw the look that you gave me. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 8 to begin with. As he passed by, he being Jesus, as he passed by... He saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. He must work the works of him who sent me. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Just leave your Bible open there. It was a Sabbath Sunday morning. They were probably somewhere outside the temple gates, and there were beggars, as we talked about last week, that were congregated together asking for handouts, asking for alms. Someone feel sorry for us and give to us. And it appears that as they were walking, that they, they noticed a blind man there. And, and somebody knew this man's history because they knew that this man had been blind from birth. It, it wasn't one of those situations where something happened in life that he lost his eyesight. It wasn't a, a gradual thing that happened through the years. No, this man had never been able to see, blind from birth. And it appears that the disciples were struggling with that age-old question that we all ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen 
to good people. Now, here's the problem. Often, the disciples would ask Jesus a question, and when they would ask, when they would ask a question, Jesus would unload on them with a parable, or often multiple parables. And I'm sure at times they, they just probably thought to themselves, I, I'm getting a little tired of, of hearing, you know, Jesus, just give us a yes or no answer. Why, why do we have to go through all of this? And so they kind of set Jesus up in this moment, and, and they asked him a question, and it was a multiple choice question. They asked him, they said, is this man blind? Now, now, remember, they're just walking down the road. They see the blind man sitting there. And the disciples, they want to use him as an object lesson. And they say, Jesus, Master, Rabbi, was this man right here, was, he's blind from birth. Is he blind because of his sin? Or is he blind because of his parents' sin? A, his sin. B, because his parents sinned. It's multiple choice, Jesus. We don't need a parable in this moment. We just need you to tell us A or B. Which one is it? A or B? You see, Jewish rabbis taught that the suffering in one's life was evidence of sin in that person's life. Their belief was that this man was blind because of sin. And they had heard this their whole life. And so since he was blind from birth, was it A, his sin, or was it B, the sin of his parents. And Jesus answered their question with C. None of the above. And they just probably looked at him with this puzzled look on their faces like that wasn't an option. And he says, no, 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 no. It, it wasn't any of those things. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now that troubles me sometimes when I read things like that in my Bible. And, and, and those of you that have been around here long enough know that, that those troubling thoughts, I've, I've echoed them many times to you. And God hasn't yet struck me dead with anything. So I think I'm, I'm okay, you know. But those kind of thoughts like that, they just haunt me sometimes when I read it. That, that this man wasn't blind because of something he had done wrong. This man was blind from birth because God wanted to manifest his works in them. God wanted to show how powerful he was through this man's life. And so he was blind from birth because God wanted to show out in his life. The disciples were looking for human causes, but Jesus, he was looking for divine results. He always is a step ahead of us. He always knows that, that, that our questions are some of his greatest miracles. The disciples were observing Away from the problem. Look, Jesus, there's a blind man over there. Let's talk about him. But Jesus stepped into the problem. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that even in the middle of my doubt sometimes, Jesus steps right into my situation. He comes right into my problem. Not afraid of it. Matter of fact, when we don't even invite him sometimes, Jesus says, "Just let this, I'm going to come right in there and I'm going to show you how I can be God. This man never once called out, for Jesus to come help him. Matter of fact, he was minding his own business, begging on the side of the road. When the disciples said, look, Jesus, blind man. Jesus said, here I come. Let me help. Last Monday, while we were moving Kendall back from college for the summer, I got a speeding ticket in Atlanta. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. <laughs> Your day's coming. ha, ha, ha. And I remember 
as I'm sitting there, and, and, and it, it's just crazy traffic, crazy traffic. It was, it was probably 4, 4.30, Atlanta traffic. It's flowing. I mean, we were, we were hitting. Matter of fact, he clocked me going 80 and a 65, so you figure it out. We're, we're trucking through Atlanta, and, and he catches me in the, the HOV lane the high occupancy vehicle lane. And, and I had Caleb with me in the car and Mandy and Kendall were following behind. So he pulls me, or he, he comes up behind me. Mandy actually moves out of his way. Thanks a lot. Mandy moves out of his way. <laughs> he gets in right behind me and he pulls me over all five lanes of traffic and pulls me over. And I told Caleb, I said, if he pulled me over and this much traffic, he's going to give me a ticket. And as he's back there riding my ticket, I think to myself, Don't you have something better to do, Mr. Officer? <laughs> I'm a pastor. Moving my daughter from a Christian school back to Florida so she can be with her family this summer. Don't you have something better? To, did you know that Atlanta is ranked number 18 among the murder capitals in the United States of America? Number 18. It's something like there's, there's 20.2 people killed, murdered for every 100,000 that live there. It's, it's crazy numbers. And you're pulling me over? Isn't there something more that you could be doing to protect society than from a guy that's just tired of Tennessee and he's just trying to get home back to Florida so that he can be at work at his church the next morning? Come on, there's something more that you have to do there's a bigger threat to society than me. Why are you wasting time on me? I'm not bitter about it at all. I'm not. When Jesus healed this blind man, everybody seemed to lose their mind for no good reason. It was nuts. It was crazy. It didn't make sense. It freaked everybody out. You would have thought that Jesus had killed someone the way that everybody was acting. And they launch out this all-out investigation to get to the bottom of a good deed. He just healed a man that was blind from birth. This man can now see. And you want to cast stones at him? You want to investigate this guy? Let's celebrate what he did. But that's not what was happening. As a matter of fact, this man that was formerly blind, when he comes to his neighbors and his acquaintances, they keep asking him, aren't you the guy that was blind? And he was like, I, I can see now. A man healed me. I can see now. And they don't want to believe him. No, he just looks like the guy. He just, he just looks like the guy. He, that's not the guy. And I guess that, that they were so freaked out by it that they called in the Pharisees to investigate. I mean, after all, this was a phenomenal event. Something big had happened. So let's bring in the religious leaders. Let's let them look at this and investigate it. And he tells them the story. Man, this guy... He, he spit in the ground, made mud, rubbed it on my eye. I went and washed it out, and now I can see. And you know what the Pharisees, the religious leaders, you know what their biggest concern was? What day of the week he did it on. Because it was Sabbath, and you're not supposed to work on Sabbath. And, and to them, it was sinful because he, he made mud. And making mud, that's work. Did you know they even had a rule? That you couldn't walk across grass because you were bending the grass when you would walk across it. And that's work. So you would have to stay on, on, on the, the cobblestones. You couldn't walk across the grass. That's how legalistic they were 
about this. And, and, and they would not accept the fact that he made mud on the Sabbath. And then he told the guy, after he rubbed it on the guy's face, you go wash your face. That's work. You can't wash your face on the Sabbath. Can't do that. And so not only is he sinning, he's causing you to sin. And, and, and so they are investigating this thing. And they're so concerned on the day of the week that, that he performed this miracle on. But the, the real deal is they did not want to accept Jesus as the Christ. They did not want to understand that he was the Messiah that they were hoping for. They didn't want to believe the guy. So they, they called his parents in. We're going to meet with the parents. They called the parents in. And the parents, they know what's already been said. The Jews had said, if anybody claims that Jesus is the Christ, they will be expelled from the temple. They will not be able to, to be in the temple. We, we will not allow that at all. And so in an effort not to get expelled from the temple, the parents, they're basically, this is, this is their answer to the Pharisees. They basically say, listen, he's a grown butt man. You ask him yourself. He's a grown man. He can, he can answer for himself. They don't want to give an answer at all. And so they, they call for the guy a second time. Come on in. Come on in. Let, let's, let's have another conversation about this guy that supposedly healed you. And so we get to verse 24. Verse 24. John 9, 24. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? They reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. They just ran him out. He can't come back. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, said, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, for those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you, now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Have you ever noticed that when you're driving and the other driver makes a mistake, that you, you tend to get fired up? Oh, I know some of you are just holy drivers, right? I'm the only one that's just kind of sharing my dirty laundry today, right? Just me, all by myself. I mean, when somebody cuts us off in traffic, when somebody just, just, just does something and, and we feel like it invades our space while we're driving, we're up in arms. We're fired up, man. We're ready to fight. I'm telling you right now, I'm not a huge fan of another driver not seeing me and coming over into my lane because I'll be the first one that as I'm driving down the road, I'll be like, you moron. 
I'm not who I used to be because I used to tell them they were number one as they were driving, but I don't do that anymore. I don't, haven't done that in decades, in decades. You moron, I will say that often, you moron. But when I accidentally do the same, my bad. You see the difference there? When they offend me with their driving, you moron. When I offend them, my bad. Jesus takes them back to the root of the problem. Thousands of years earlier, how beautiful life must have been in the Garden of Eden. You ever thought about it? No one to compare yourself to. It's one man, one woman. There's no one to compare yourself to. There's no shame. Everybody's naked. All both of them. There's no guilt. There's no blame. And it wasn't until after Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree that humanity began to blame someone else. And the blame game hasn't stopped since. You blame somebody on your way to church today for making you late to church. Or, or oh, oh, I see some of the looks right now. Let's keep going. <laughs> forgive him. Just forgive him. After they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, after they ate from that wrong tree that God told them not to, humanity became judgmental in that moment. Listen, the woman, here's her response to it. The serpent made me do it. That's one of our greatest excuses, isn't it? The devil made me do it. Listen, the devil's getting way too much credit for some of your dumb mistakes. Oh, man, I'm stepping on toes right now. Let's keep going. I like the way Adam responded. Eve said, the serpent made me do it. Adam, uh, Adam he, he, he says, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going I'm, I'm to cast blame on two different individuals with one sentence. God, the woman you gave me made me do it. That's blame at a whole new level right there. And it hasn't stopped. This is one of the great examples of what being overeducated can do to a person. Now listen, listen to me. I'm not against education. Mandy and I, we actually just completed some other college courses ourselves just recently. But, but I'm not against that. But, but have you ever met someone that they're so smart that they're dumb? <laughs> don't point, don't point, don't point. You've met that person before. They're so smart that they are dumb. They have enough book knowledge to make a major contribution to humanity and, 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 and discover something great, but they have the common sense that God gave a billy goat. <laughs> Somebody just raised their hand admitting that that's them. <laughs> God bless you. Sometimes... Knowledge is not what it's cracked up to be. Knowing good and evil, like God, brought out the worst in us. And God tried to protect us from that. He did not want us to know that. Don't eat from that tree. You don't want to gain that, that kind of knowledge. But, but, but when we did, it brought out the worst in us. And in an effort to gain knowledge, we became less informed. In an effort to be more like God, we became less like God. And so Jesus reveals to the Pharisees, who was really blind in this situation, and it's not the man that was blind from birth. John chapter 9, verse 39 again, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. 
It's interesting, isn't it? That the very thing that provides light for seeing can also cause one not to see. Jesus said, I've come that, that some will, that cannot see will be made to see and those that can see will become blind. Here's how it works. We need the sun. We know that we need the sun. Beside the fact that we would freeze to death without it, the sun provides light for seeing. We need the sun. But if you stare at the sun too long, you'll go blind. The Son of God came to give sight to the blind and, and to the blind and to, and, and to make blind those that see it wrong. Verse 40 says, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. In other words, you know just enough to get you in trouble. It's kind of like me in a car. I know just enough on how to fix a car to get me in trouble. And he's told the Pharisees, you know just enough about the law to get you in trouble. I love the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrased it in the message. He said in verse 41, Jesus said, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. My dad always said, when you point your finger at someone else, you have three other fingers pointing right back at you. It's so easy for us to recognize someone else's blind spots and not even be aware of our own blind spots. We saw this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, where, where you know King David commits sin, multiple sins, all because of lust over Bathsheba. Wants to have, he can have everything in the world, but he wants a married man's wife, one of his soldier's wives. And if you know the story of David and Bathsheba, you'll know David gets the woman pregnant while her husband is out on the battlefield, brings her husband home. Husband will not sleep with her because he, he thinks it's unfair to his other men that are out there serving. David eventually has the man sent to the front line of battle to have him killed to cover up for his mistakes. It's a sad story of a man that had so much and was willing to risk it all for just one moment of pleasure. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan comes to David and, and he says to David these words. He said, what do you think about a man, a rich man, poor man, Rich man has a guest come to town. He's got all kinds of livestock, but he doesn't want to kill one of his to feed his guests. He said, so he goes and takes the only lamb that the poor man has, takes it away from him. He said, his kids love this thing. They called it by name. They raised this thing. And he said, he takes the poor man's only lamb. And David is up in arms, man. He's like us driving in traffic. He is ready to fight. I'll kill this man. And Nathan looks at him. And he says, King, that man is you. That's exactly what you did to Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And David falls in repentance. We can so easily point out other people's faults while at the same time be blind to our own. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7 verses 3, and 3 through 5. He said, why do you see... Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't even notice the log that is in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Don't be confused by this verse. So many people won't want to confuse it and say, this verse means just mind your own business and stay out of mind. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, deal with your own business. Deal with it. And when you do, then you can help other people deal with theirs. That's what testimony is all about. The reason why God's given you a testimony is to be a blessing in somebody else's life. But Jesus said, don't miss the blind spot. The very thing that you can't see in your life and start pointing the finger at somebody else. And we all have blind spots. For some of us, it's our personality. We easily see another person's bad attitude or their negativity. But when it comes to us, this is the phrase we like to use. Oh, it's just who I am. It's how God made me. That is so blind. That is so blind. God didn't make you a jerk. That's your creation. You did that all on your own. For some, it's the way that we raise our children. And I see this all too often. Parents come to me, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And parents are blinded by their lifestyles and they get upset when their kids start hanging out with the wrong people and, and when their kids start doing things that they shouldn't do. And they get upset about that. And if, you're, if that bothers you, then, then open your eyes and see your own blind spot. Stop setting the poor example for them to follow. That's your blind spot. For some people, it's our strive for success. It has us blinded. Yet for others, it's your lack of ambition. And it's got you so blinded. And we all have blind spots, areas that we need to deal with. And so why? Why are we so reluctant to take that long, hard look at our lives? I told you at the beginning why. It's because doing so forces us to turn from what is comfortable. It's because you trust your own instincts too much. Listen to Jeremiah 17 and 9. It says, the human mind is the most deceitful of all things. It is incurable. No one can understand how deceitful it is. Don't you go off your own understanding. Don't you think that you have it figured out. Don't trust your own instincts. That's why you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. It causes you to take your eyes off of what's right in front of you. When you go and look at your blind spots, it causes you to turn from what is being presented right in front of you. That promotion right in front of you, it may not be worth it. I believe God's speaking to somebody right now. That opportunity that is knocking might not be a door that is opened by God. That man, that woman, they're not better. The grass may look greener, but you can walk the well-worn paths of your marriage with your eyes closed. Imagine what happens when you open your eyes and see what's really happening in your marriage. We've got to be willing to confront our own blind spots. They're there. I guarantee you they're there. They were there in my life. For years, Mandy and I did not have a great marriage. We stayed together for two reasons. We had kids together, and I was in ministry. That was the only reason we stayed together. The love was no longer there. 
And all I could do was point my finger at her. This is what's wrong with you. If you, won't do, if you wouldn't do this, then I wouldn't have to do that. Through years of forgiveness and restoration, years later, God opened my eyes and helped me to see that I was so blind to my own faults, so blind to what I was causing. We were in a catch-22. We were. Both of us just blaming each other, blaming each other. Don't be afraid to confront your blind spot. You've got it. I've got them. I do. I've got blind spots. There's things that I've got to be willing to look at and realize. Rocky, you're not seeing that clearly. Don't be afraid to confront your blind spots. And then have the courage to make a change and do something about it. You were just sitting on the side of the road blind. And today Jesus walks by. Other people are looking at your blind spot from a distance. And they have no desire to get involved. And Jesus said, I'm going to step right into that problem today. And I'm going to help you with it. He's stepping into it. Let him help you see. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.